Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to a day with crime podcast where a crime a day keeps the doctor away here are your hosts david and geneva mcclam what's going on everybody and welcome to another a day with crime black history fact edition of course i am your host david let's jump in yesterday's fact was about the first african-american lawyer Today, we're going to talk about the first African-American nurse, Mary Mahoney. Mary Eliza Mahoney was born in 1845 in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Mahoney's parents were freed slaves originally from North Carolina who moved north before the American Civil War in pursuit of a life with less racial discrimination. Mahoney was the oldest of two children with one sibling dying early on as a child. At a young age, Mahoney was a devout Baptist and churchgoer who frequently attended People's Baptist Church in Roxbury. Mahoney was admitted into the Phillips School at age 10, one of the first integrated schools in Boston, and stayed from first to fourth grade. Phillips School was known for teaching its students the value of morality and humanity alongside general subjects such as English history, arithmetic, and more. It is said this instruction influenced Mahoney's early interest in nursing. Mary knew early on that she wanted to become a nurse, possibly due to seeing immediate emergence of nurses during the American Civil War. Black women in the 19th century often had a difficult time becoming trained and licensed nurses. Nursing schools in the South rejected applications from African-American women, whereas in the North, Though the opportunity was still severely limited, African-Americans had a greater chance at acceptance into training and graduate programs. As soon as the New England Hospital for Women and Children was created, she began to show an interest in nursing at age 18. The NEHWC became the first institution to offer a program allowing women to work towards entering the healthcare industry, which was predominantly led by men. She was admitted into a 16-month program at the New England Hospital for Women and Children, now the DMOC Community Health Center, at the age of 33, alongside 39 other students in 1878. Her sister, Ellen Mahoney, also decided to attend the same nursing program, but was unsuccessful in receiving her diploma. 
The criteria in which the hospital utilized while choosing students for their program emphasized that the 40 applicants would be well and strong between the age of 21 and 31 and have a good reputation as to character and disposition. Out of a class of 40 students, she and two other white women were the only ones to receive their degree. It is presumed that the administration accepted Mary, despite not meeting the age criteria, because of her connection to the hospital through prior work as a cook, maid, and washerwoman there when she was 18 years old. Mary worked nearly 16 hours daily for the 15 years that she worked as a laborer. Mary's training required that she spent at least one year in the hospital's various wards to gain universal nursing knowledge. The work within the program was intensive and consisted of long days with a 5.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. shift requiring Mary to attend lectures and lessons to educate herself through instruction of doctors in the ward. These 12-hour lectures classes consisted of nursing and families, physiological subjects, food for the sick, surgical nursing, child bed nursing, disinfectants, and general nursing. Outside of the lectures, students were taught many important bedside procedures such as taking vital signs and bandaging. In addition, Mary worked for several months as a private duty nurse. The nursing program allowed for the students to earn a weekly wage ranging from $1 to $4 after their first two weeks of work. Many nurses did not see the weekly wages as significant as many of them were struggling financially and thus were giving back 25% of their wages for financial assistance to the hospital. Three quarters of the program consisted of the nurses working with a surgical maternity or medical ward with six patients they were responsible caring for. The last two months of the extensive 16 month long program required the nurses to use their newfound knowledge and skills in environments they were not accustomed to, such as hospitals or private family homes. After completing these requirements, Mary graduated in 1879 as a registered nurse alongside three other colleagues, the first black woman to do so in the United States. So imagine that, first of all, you're going into a field of people that don't look like you. You've been trying to do this for a long time, but you're not accepted mainly because of the color of your skin. They opened up something for women. She goes in, she gets there, but they tell you, you only going to make up to $4. Now, if I came to some of y'all right now and said, man, look, I need to come do this work. We're going to let you work 40 hours a week, but we're only going to pay you $4. We would all probably turn around and be like, we out. And to have to give 25% of that back, yeah, that's not going to work out. But Mary did it, became the first black nurse ever to do it in the United States. Here's a little bit about her career. After receiving her nursing diploma, Mary worked for many years as a private care nurse, earning a distinguished reputation. She worked for predominantly white, wealthy families, and the majority of her work was with new mothers and newborns and had been done in New Jersey with the occasional travel to other states. During the early years of her employment, African-American nurses were often treated as if they were household servants rather than professionals. Mary emphasized her preference to eating dinner alone in the kitchen, distancing herself from eating with the existing household help to further dismiss the relation between the professions. 
Mary also lived alone in an apartment in Roxbury where she spent time reading and relaxing while also attending church activities with her sister. Nevertheless, families who employed Mary praised her efficiency in her nursing profession. Mary's professionalism helped raise the status and standards of all nurses, especially minorities. Mary was also known for her skills and preparedness. As Mary's reputation quickly spread, she received private duty nursing requests from patients in states in the North and Southeast Coast. Of the many goals that Mary had hoped of achieving, one of them was to change the way patients and families thought of minority nurses. Mary wanted to abolish any discrimination in the nursing field. Being African-American in a predominantly white society, she often experienced discrimination as an African-American woman. In Massachusetts particularly, it was difficult for African-American nurses to find work following graduation due to the limitations of either working in African-American homes or working in white homes that already had African-American employees and household work. She believed that all people should have the opportunity to chase their dreams without racial discrimination. It is said that Frederick Douglass, a prominent African-American abolitionist and ex-slave of the time, was distantly related to Mary, which became one of the influences on her active participation against the repercussions of slavery and racial discrimination against minorities in the United States. From 1911 to 1912, Mary served as director of the Howard Colored Orphan Asylum for Black Children in Kings Park, Long Island, New York. The asylum served as a home for freed colored children and the colored elderly. This institution was run by African-Americans. Here, Mary Eliza Mahoney finished her career, helping people and using her knowledge however she knew best. In 1896, Mary became one of the original members of the thin, predominantly white Nurses Association alumni of the United States and Canada, also known as the NAAUSC, which later became the American Nurses Association, or the ANA. In the early 1900s, the NAAUSC did not welcome African-American nurses into their association. In response, Mary co-founded a new, more welcoming nurses association with help of Martha Minerva Franklin and Ada B. Toms. In 1908, she became co-founder of the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses, or NACGN. This association did not discriminate against anyone and aim to support and congratulate the accomplishments of all outstanding nurses and to eliminate racial discrimination in the nursing community. The association also strived to commemorate minority nurses on their accomplishments in the registered nursing field. In 1909, Mary spoke at the NACGN's first annual convention, which became the first time that Martha Minerva Franklin and Ada Bell Samuels Toms met Mary in person. The NACGN struggled in their early stages with only 26 female nurses in attendance of their first national convention. In her speech, she recognized the inequalities in her nursing education and the nursing education of the day. The NACGN members gave Mary a lifetime membership in the association in the position as the organization's chaplain. In retirement, Mary was still concerned with women's equality and a strong supporter of women's suffrage. She actively participated in the advancement of civil rights in the United States. 
1920, after women's suffrage was achieved in the U.S., Mary was among the first women in Boston to register to vote. In 1923, Mary was diagnosed with breast cancer and battled the illness for three years until she died on January 4th, 1926, at the age of 80. Her grave is located in Woodlawn Cemetery in Everett, Massachusetts. In 1968, Helen Sullivan Miller, a recipient of the Mary E. Mahoney Medal, spearheaded a drive to establish a proper monument. All right, guys, what I love about this story is she became the first African-American nurse to do it, but she wanted everybody, regardless of the color of skin, who was a woman, to be able to also do what she did. She didn't want it to be as hard as it was for her to do what she loved to do. And that's what she strived for until the day she died, as you just heard. So before we go, just a few of her awards and honors. A recognition of her outstanding example to nurses of all races, the NACGN established the Mary Mahoney Award in 1936. When NACGN merged with the American Nurses Association in 1951, the award was continued. Today, the Mary Mahoney Award is bestowed biennially by the ANA in recognition of significant contributions in advancing equal opportunities in nursing for members of minority groups. Mary was inducted into the American Nurses Association Hall of Fame in 1976. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1993. The Mary Mahoney Memorial Health Center in Oklahoma City. There's a Mary Mahoney Lecture Series, Indiana University Northwest. Honoring Mary Eliza Mahoney, America's first professionally trained African-American nurse, House of Representatives Resolution, U.S. Congress, April 2006. And the Mary Eliza Mahoney Dialysis Center is a stop on the Boston Women's Heritage Trail. So to all women out there, regardless of your color, if you are a nurse and you love to do it, you owe a great thanks and gratitude to Mary Eliza Mahoney, who in a lot of ways set the paths for you to do what you do today. All right, guys. So I hope that you enjoyed this one. I hope that you got some knowledge that you did not have before. I do thank you for joining me for yet another African-American history fact. We're only four days in, so we got quite a few more to go. I hope that you guys are picking something up here and learning something that you've never known before. As always, remember to go ahead and rate, comment on the show. Also, you can send us an email at a day with crime at gmail.com with any questions or comments you may have. Also, you can catch our regular uploads every week on Monday. This when we bring you a brand new crime every week. All right, guys. So as always, try to be good to yourself and to each other. I thank you for joining me and join me again for yet another African-American history fact. Until then, I'll catch you guys all the next time. Thank you for listening to A Day With Crime, artwork created by Geneva McClam. Sound mixing and editing done by David McClam. Join us on our website, www.adaywithcrime.com and email us at adaywithcrime at gmail.com. 
where you can subscribe, learn ways to support the show, and get access to our social media networks. Thank you for listening and for your support. And as always, a crime a day keeps the doctor away. Until until next next time. time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.